Whoa! And we're back. Uh, hey John, how's it going? It's going alright. It's, it's, it's happening. Big chillin'. Big chillin'. Uh, I had, I had another kind of, uh, well, it's, uh, listeners are gonna hear this like a week after, so it's, it's not gonna re- really be relevant, but <laughs> I got my license this week. I'm a, I'm Let's a, go. I'm a licensed driver. I can, I can run people over now. As is the great American tradition. Let's go. <laughs> Congrats. That's cool. Yeah. I, uh, I, I know, I, I know I've said before on the, on the pod how anti-car I am, uh, but sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> I am very much in the same boat as you. I, uh, I'm, I, I stuck around in the city after college because I didn't want to have to drive or have a car, uh, but I'm realizing that as the vast, uh, as adulthood spreads out in front of me, I, it might be something that I want the world at some point yeah yeah uh as is common knowledge i live in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. uh and it it, it, i i used to hold the belief that i was never going to get my license uh because back back when i first got my driver's permit i was like oh i'm i'm gonna like move to a big city and i'm gonna live there forever and i'm gonna use public transit and then that didn't happen (laughs) and it I, I just kept, like, renewing my permit every year. And, mm-hmm. and once you get to the point where you're 24 and and you're renewing your driver's permit for, like, the eighth time, mm-hmm. it, it it starts to feel a little bit silly. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I originally tried to get it last year, but it, the, the test, like, stressed me out so much that I, I accidentally went into the ditch during the three-point turn. And it was, it was kind of embarrassing. So I just decided that I wasn't going to try again for a year. I'm so sorry. It happens. Uh, I I just decided that I was not going to breathe during the entire time of the second test, and it worked. I I I, I passed. I didn't mess up. Congratulations. Well, well, I did. I did mess up once on the the parallel part, uh, but I but I got it on the second try. Not bad. Not bad. Probably better than I would do if you put me in a car right now and told me to take a driver's <laughs> test. Parallel park now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. God. Yeah. Uh, that, well, that's cool. Um, that uh, big things happening in John World. Uh, you love to hear it. Um, not a t- not a ton happening. Uh, for me. Uh, kind of been uh, another run of the mill week. Um. My roommate and I have been watching uh, Breaking Bad. It's his first time seeing it. Yo. Uh, and that's like kind of that's like the that's all that's been going on for me after work. Usually, uh, I was initially bugging him, um, because he's never seen it, and it's like Breaking Bad to me is like maybe not quite what Homestuck is to John, but like it's one <laughs> of my favorite things. Um, please watch Breaking Bad. It's so good. Uh, but I had been trying to foist this on him for a while, and we got to like midway through the second season or so um and i completely stopped having to harass him about it and now he just comes to me every day and he's like Can we watch some more breaking bad and it's been great it's awesome hell yeah um have you you've never seen it have you i i i, I tried watching it back in like 2012 2013 yeah, right, right. i watched the first episode 
but I was also watching Lost at the time, so I was like, I'm going to finish Lost first, and then I never finished Lost, so I never started Breaking Bad for real. How motivated do you feel to to finish Lost now? Uh, I think I could probably sit down and finish Lost, like, in a weekend or something. Uh, Damn. It was just, I don't know, I was I was a young teen, so I, I don't know. I didn't really, care. I, I, I didn't just, really care about stuff that much, but now that everybody talks about things, I feel more motivated to watch things. I'm just saying because like Lost just being one of the famous instances of uh, TV show shitting the bed because uh, it didn't know what to do with itself. I don't even know anything. I like know nothing about it. All of my knowledge of Lost is just from like the like from cultural osmosis and memes from when Lost ended and everyone hated it. Uh. I, I've seen a few people recently say that, like, the the ending is, like, too overhated. Hmm. Uh, and it's, it's, I, I've seen those takes specifically from people who I followed because they had good takes on uh, the ending of Homestuck and the Homestuck epilogue. So I'm, like, inclined to believe them. True. Maybe Maybe the ending of Lost was just too much for the average person and they didn't get it. Well, now you have to watch it to see, right? True, true. So now I've given you another thing to do before before you ever watch Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Yeah, th- that kind of thing, I'm always wary of it on the internet. Like, I think it's funny uh, how basically anything will have, like, a redemptive movement if you let it sit online for long enough. Like, a yeah. couple of years ago, like, everyone wanted to pretend that the Star Wars prequels are, like, watchable. Hey man, um, hey man. Hey. <laughs> this ain't hey. the this ain't the can you want to open. <laughs> I all right, all right. All I, right. I I was a prequels kid. Like they came out at the right time. Wait, it doesn't have to be about the prequels. There was a couple of months ago I started seeing like on YouTube people were trying to do like maybe Sonic 06 was actually good. Um like you let anything sit online for long enough there'll be some contrarian movement around yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I get I I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. Although I think that the that although like realistically what that means though is that it's just more incentive to actually like read or watch things yourself and not listen to what people on the computer tell you about it because yeah. it's a great demonstration that people online can just you can just say anything like you can say that Sonic 06 is a video game um and like you'll get views on YouTube so I don't know uh do your own research people so true. Look into look at look into look into some some of those uh little Facebook groups about uh I was gonna say I wasn't sure whether to take this bit like to anti vax stuff or to like make an implicit <laughs> joke that there's like uh anti vax groups but like for the homestuck epilogues and I realized it wouldn't land if I went that way and so I'm just explaining my joke instead of making it. Do you do you think um, do you think we have like a listener that like isn't actually reading the epilogues alongside us. They're just listening to our synopses and opinions on it. Um, given that there have been, like, plenty of times where, like, I've... I think everybody does that online, right? Like, I just gave a spiel why you shouldn't do that, but, like, I do it and everyone else does it, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. If you are listening along without reading the Homestuck epilogues, I'm not judging you. Um, but I do think you should be reading them because they're great. Agree. Um, speaking of, uh, we started candy today. You want to talk about that? Oh, yes. Yes. What a time. (laughs) 
I, I'm so, we're gonna, I'm so happy. We're gonna be so happy talking about candy. It's, it's gonna be so good. It's gonna be so exciting and fun, and we're all gonna be so happy at the end of it. It's gonna, it's gonna be great. <laughs> um, yes. All right. Um, I, before candy itself, uh, we, you specifically directed, um, to uh to read the prologue again, I yeah, believe, and just see a, if there's anything yeah. that I picked up on. Just a little refresher, just to set us back to zero, get a get a fresh view on on the prologue. You know. Yeah. Just a um, reminder of what the stakes are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say, um, on rereading the prologue, um, the main thing that stood out to me is that uh, Dirk's presence is a lot more um it's it's felt a lot more yeah um there's a lot of stuff that there's a couple things that rose says that just come across as like disingenuous or contradict what we already knew um like she reassures john that she's the only one that she knows she's like she's the only person um who is experiencing uh the whole ultimate selfhood thing. Yeah. Um, which we, I think I said the first time through that that seemed weird to me, but, um, it, it comes across extra, like, you know, that's bullshit when we spend half of me tripping over characters who are like, I'm starting to have memories of myself from other timelines. Yeah. Um, especially, and you know, given that, uh, Rose is the seer of light and is supposedly omniscient. It, yeah. Just, we know that is not true. Um, the whole, uh, like, second-person narration that we know now know that is, like, Dirk speaking uh, to us through the care, like, through the story, um, is a lot... It rings a lot clearer, and it, some of the weirdness of it is a lot more easily explained. Yeah. Um, now knowing that that was what was going on. Um, let's see. Uh... <sighs> The truth, relevance, essentiality, um, conversation, uh, in, in retrospect, now, now reading, um, for the second time after going through Meet the Whole Time, um, it, it now sounds a lot more plainly like, uh, Dirk through Rose saying, uh, listen, we have to, if we're going to do a Homestuck sequel, we need to beat Lord English or nobody will care. Yeah. Um, and I, I like that. It's a lot, like... The, the the subtext of the uh that truth the canon conversation is a lot clearer. Um, and I think the only other thing that I noted in the apple in the prologue that uh turned out to be proven extremely correct uh shortly after was that Roxy features a lot more heavily in the prologue uh than in Meat, and so I was like, hmm, I bet that Roxy will uh be a much bigger part of the story in this one, and I was correct. You did it. You predicted yeah. candy. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Um. A- any. Any. Any response to that? Any. Uh, any. Your observations on the prologue on a uh, another time around, or uh, do you want to get right into uh, where things start to diverge? Uh. I'm. I want to bring us into candy proper. If you've got. Yeah, if... I. I do think the only th- other thing worth pointing out in the prologue is like the sheer number of like decision prompts i guess like the like the like the funny arrow followed by a do something statement 
Yeah. Like, there's a bunch of those in the prologue. Yeah, John is, like, being very, like, directed through the prologue. Um, the, the number, I, I, I'll confess I haven't been actually paying attention much, but it, the density of the commands is, it, it does stand out relative to, uh, we just got off of with meat. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the most, the most immediately striking thing about, uh, the text of Candy itself going into it is that it's uh it's it's all third person yeah um or the, yeah the Eunice is all. immediately stripped away yeah um it's a it's a different reading experience uh right off the bat um I, I I'll say right off the bat that I had a fun time reading uh up reading what we've read uh, today um but there is like a, a a persistent sense of dread that managed <laughs> to permeate this whole thing. Um, it, it, I I don't know. I, I if uh, I, it, well, yes, I do know. I feel it, it. It is very hard for me to believe that this is supposed to be written with anything other than like you are supposed to feel like there is a, a sword dangling above your head the whole time, and it's just ready, something is ready to happen. Um, and, uh, I don't know. We'll get to the end of the reading in a minute. <laughs> but Candy, in Candy's uh, authorial style is immediately sets it apart from me, um, in, in a big way. Uh, so let's just uh, start out Epilogue 1, Chapter 1, and... Uh, Get, let's get the ball rolling on Candy. Hell yeah. Okay, so... Uh, John has chosen Candy. Um, and immediately the, the the first difference that I flipped the book over to check is... Yeah, it's all the third-person narration. Um, it mimics uh, the way that Meat starts, uh, but with a different style of writing. Um, like, epilogue one of Meat starts uh, with... I'm gonna page to it just to be sure but yeah it's uh basically the same opening line as candy uh meat was definitely the right choice you think as grease strips down your chin then blah, 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 blah. and then uh in candy it's candy was definitely the right choice john thinks as he munches thoughtfully on a strawberry swirl mint so the the difference is underlined immediately um and this first chapter uh as john partakes in his uh delicious candy lunch um is the, the the prevailing theme um, with John uh, immediately off the bat seems to be, like, active nihilism. Like, he's decided, you know what, nothing really matters, um, so fuck it. I'm gonna have a good time with my friends here on Earth, and I'm gonna make things right. I have nothing matters, so why should I uh, worry myself about anything besides making my life better? Yeah. Which is it, great, um... Great. It, it, the only thing is that the way that it's the way that it's framed and the the spontaneity of it just is like oh something is about to go terribly wrong. <laughs> and the first step of whatever is about to go terribly wrong is potentially uh, raised by Calliope immediately. Um, so John announces that uh, he's going to stay uh, back on Earth. Um, fuck Lord English. Like who gives a shit? Uh, why should I care about uh, canon or any of these things I don't understand that Rose couldn't explain why they're actually bad? Fuck it. Um, Roxy is delighted to hear this. 
uh, she is immediately just all over John. Um, John is a little bit weirded out by this whole situation with Clappy being right there, but Clappy immediately makes it weirder. Um, yeah. Because she speaks up and she's like, this is great. Now you have to bring Gamzee back. <laughs> immediately. How did you feel when you read that? <laughs> um, I, my immediate, I, I, I read this chapter like last week, uh, so I can't remember exactly, but I recall having a pretty strong reaction to this <laughs> along the lines of like, oh, Candy's going to go places too, I see. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so our Age of Redemption begins. Hell yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, yeah, uh, the, the, bringing Gamzee back, um, the, (laughs) I... I don't know how to feel about it. Um, I think it's very funny. And at the same time, I'm like, oh shit. Okay. Something. We're, we're not getting out of this one without some insane, without some insanity going down. So our, our glorious age of redemption, uh, begins. (laughs) Um, Calliope directs John to, uh, he's got to go back into Canon and bring back Gamzee because if, we're going to have a good candy epilogue where everyone works out their personal problems and everyone lives happily ever after. Then we got to include everybody. And that includes Gamzee. Of course. So. So. Um, John. Uh, uh, chapter two. Uh, John. Confused, uh, but ready to do uh, what needs to be done. Uh, zaps back into canon um, right before the final battle uh, on Dirk's planet. Um, he catches a, a tender moment between, uh, Dave and Dirk that he is definitely not meant to be audience to, um, right from the end of the comic, uh, on his way to retrieve Gamzee. Um, and he, uh, in watching, uh, Dave and Dirk hug it out, um, after their whole conversation about being gay or whatever, uh, he notices that Dirk, uh, takes notice of him, if just for a second, um, and thinks to himself, uh, well, you know what? Good thing that uh, he didn't say anything or do anything about that, because that sure would be a shame if I messed up continuity further uh, on my way to take the evil clown out of his uh, his fridge prison. Um, John retrieves the evil clown from his fridge prison uh, and brings it back to Earthsea. Um, he, Gamzee is, is released. Uh, he smells terrible and talks worse. Um... <laughs> He is uh, ferociously apologetic um, and embraces his role as a, a tragic character to be redeemed. Um, he even goes so far as uh, to give us the courtesy of listing out all the reasons why you should trust him. Um, all of the, the classic uh, games he had a hard life points, um, which are, to be fair, true. Um, he was raised in a society. He was raised in a caste in a society who was exclusively raised uh, and does murder in their uh, social system. Um, he had an abusive father. Uh, he spent his whole life uh, out of his mind on drugs. Um, Gamzee did have a... Gamzee had a hard life. Um, and he's ready to let us all know that. He, he's making some good points here. I think I think we have to believe him. <laughs> yeah, I think we have to trust him. Um, the, <laughs> okay, so 
Gamzee gives his whole uh, his whole speech about uh, the beginning of his redemption arc and uh, how he's ready to turn over a new leaf. Um, and John is just so appalled by this whole scenario that he, he he turns away and he reaches out to the one person that he know that he uh, the only person that he can really talk to about the situation. He goes and he texts Terezi. Um and Terezi is like, damn, I cannot fucking believe this. This is crazy. Um John wishes that Terezi would come back. He makes a comment to her about how uh, she's been gone for such a long time, and uh, her response is, well, that's how you see it. Um, no sign of Riska. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Terezi's still out there. Um, John uh, uh, asks if she's ever going to come back, and she is pretty uh, pretty evasive on the idea. Um, she says no turning back on her journey. Um, and, uh, when John says, are you sure everyone misses you? Uh, even Gamzee, she's like, well, even more reason for you to never come back. Um, so I guess in this continuity, um, we're starting out the John and Terezi stuff on a little bit of a different note. Um, and yeah, I, I think that the, this window into them is like whatever relationship they have going on at this point, uh, where they're like texting and like friends i don't know i think it's cute yeah um it's good it's good to see like that john has like someone he can talk to uh even in the midst of like his alienation from society and like his friends yeah uh yeah i i think that the um the even though it presents a much more interesting conundrum dramatically uh, the John Terezi relationship is like a lot more organic in the way it emerges, and you know it's kind of easier to follow along, and it's it's cute, it's fun, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I have a question. All right. You you've been you've been reading the physical book, right? Yes. Okay. I, I I've been reading it on the website. Uh, okay. Yes. And on the website, uh, dur- during the the John and Terezi conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. The line where John says, everybody misses you, though. There's, like, a weird character, <laughs> like, at the end of the sentence. And I... Not present in print. Okay. <laughs> I, I see a period at the end of the sentence. Yeah, after the period, there's a... There's a weird thing. Here, let me... That's what it looks like. P set. Fix your website. Come on. Come on, guys. (laughs) What is this? This is the strangest, like, artifact of something that I've ever seen. Like, I can't think of any reason for this being here. Stray, unsupported character. And what what could it mean? We gotta add this to the wiki. (laughs) So so true. Uh, Anyways. I... I I think it's interesting that Gamzee is, like, picked up from, like, kind of a relevant point. Uh, as opposed to, like, the the big retcon in Meat, where, like, John went into the, the game over timeline where things couldn't, like, affect anything. Uh, yeah. It, it, it was pretty agreed upon in the fandom that... Gamzee, like, being in the fridge was, like, essential. Uh, because, 
when uh what do we agree to call him? The 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 cue ball eyes spade slick. Um, I think we were just calling him Jack English. Yeah, Jack English. Uh, when when his like head blows up and created a black hole or a wormhole or something, uh, it 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 was assumed that the two things that were caught in that were Gamzee in the fridge and the crowbar. Which are two things that needed to, like, show up somehow on Earthsea during the point when, uh, Caliborn and Calliope are born. Like, mm-hmm. that that was, like, one of the main theories of, like, how Gamzee ended up there with them. Was that, like, black hole blast. And now, like, Gamzee has been removed from that. And is here. <laughs> So you're saying that we uh, that candy begins by abandoning the essential. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I the the whole um pulling Gamzee back into the plot uh thing uh it, on the whole like it immediately surprised me, but yeah, the 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 specificity of like where and when this Gamzee is from is very strange. Uh like, it, 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 it makes very little sense to me that Gamzee would roll out of the fridge and immediately be like, I'm so sorry, I've been such a bad boy, can you please just find it in your heart to forgive me? Like, I can't think of anything less in character for Gamzee, right? Yeah. Uh, and then, then, I, then there's the whole Calliope saying that she has big plans for John. Yeah. It's... It's 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 strange. <laughs> yeah. Um. There was another thing in, in that uh, conversation. Uh. Yeah. Uh. When uh. Raymond Calliope tells John that uh, he has to go and uh, free Gamzee. Um. She says, "Uh, I can already feel the aura of equivocation that's been hanging over us all these years, fading, fading. Um. Equivocation being like when you word." When you word uh, things in such a way to, like, to doublespeak, to remove culpability from yourself uh, for, uh, like, what you're saying. Um, like, when you're bullshitting by being vague, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Clappy's saying, like, it's it's going to be great. We have such big plans. Uh, we're going we're gonna to cut down through all the bullshit. Um, and then bring Gamzee back. Just... <sighs> I feel like we got a lot of bullshit to cut through if Gamzee <laughs> needs to be here for. <laughs> if that's really the case. Um yeah. And uh that yeah, and this chapter also ends with um something feels different, uh uh but you let's see. Something feels different, but he can't put his finger on it. Um Calliope like ominously standing behind uh like Calliope ominously coming up to stand with John. Uh, being like, thank you for bringing back the evil clown who has ruined everything multiple times. Yeah, we we got we we have a time set up ahead of us. Yeah, things are gonna be interesting. They're gonna be fun. Yes. They're gonna be great. They're gonna be fun, all right. Speaking of, um, our last chapter of Epilogue One, setting everything up, um, is a Dirk chapter. Um, Dirk not doing too hot, it seems. Uh. All we see is uh, Dirk uh, starts to have a little bit of a breakdown. Um, he's having a bad physical reaction, um, and uh, run is is 
running out of time as the narrative as the narration uh tells us um he calls up jane uh tells her to call everything off call off the presumably the presidential campaign um he uh cancels all of the tv appearances he has with jake he blocks jake's number um he's getting out of there uh and uh the the last thing that it uh leaves us off on is the threat of a, an existential there's an existential crisis um for jake for 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 dirk words and uh yeah it, it's it's very vague all we get is that dirk not doing well things are bad for him and Based on what we know from the entirety of Meat, uh, it would be no exaggeration to say that his whole universe is crashing down around him, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, hope he doesn't do anything drastic. We'll see. Never know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's a, that's epilogue one. Um, what, a, what, a, what, a, what a setup. What a... What a, what a we got a couple of things to start out. We have the, we have some weirdness between uh, Roxy and John and Terezi and Calliope. We have Gamzy back, and we have Dirk, uh, not handling it all well. Let's see. Let's let's see where this all goes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess uh, at the risk of rushing us uh, too much. Any any thoughts on uh this this first bit before we jump into epilogue two? Uh. I agree that it's a good setup. <laughs> Starting off with p- pulling Gamzy back in is a is a bold move. <laughs> it's I think that um a, a, a it definitely is both a a bold move and I think it also solves kind of like a meta issue which is that people have to read both of these. Um and I'm not going to lie like after finishing meat I was a little bit uh I, like reading the prologue again, I like struggled to find motivation a little bit. Yeah. Um, but like as soon as Gamzee showed up, I was like, okay, I have to find out whatever the fuck is happening. Yeah. <laughs> Very clever hook. All right. Uh, moving along then. Um, epilogue two. Um, so the first chapter of epilogue two, um, opens. Uh, we open on uh Rose. Waking up in the hospital, uh, with Kanaya at her bedside, um, and against all odds, uh, she feels fine. Um, she exhibits no symptoms of uh, her consciousness becoming undone. Uh, no signs of the barriers between the different versions of herself from across all timelines dissolving. Um, she's just chilling. Uh, she wakes up in her bed next to her wife. Um, she, uh, they, they share a a very tender moment together. Um, it's very, very sweet. It mimics a lot of what we've seen so far from, uh, like meet with like Dave and Carcat, um, being honest with each other where they, 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 they tell each other, they, they, they exchange like, um, can I, uh, says like, I missed the way that you talked down to me so much. Um, and Rose is like, nobody else uh, makes me feel the way that you do. And it's very sweet, um, very personal, um, and just is very unsettling that this is where we're starting out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a, a, 
again, like this is a really great chapter. Um, it's very cute. Uh, a lot of very sweet uh, rosemary content in here. But um, after reading Meat, I can't help but feel like something is horrendously wrong. Yeah, uh, that that that's something that I kind of want to like emphasize. I guess. Uh, y- you have to imagine like what it would have been like if we read Candy first. Uh, yeah, because there are a lot of people who read Candy first, and d- whichever one you read first really does like shift your view of the other thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I can see like themes coming together already um, through this reading. Yeah. Um. And the the uh, the tone of it like makes sense. It. it in the sense of what I think it's going for. Yeah. I... I, I really don't know what, what my experience would have been if I read this first. I think that reading Meat first and getting me in kind of the, the headspace to parse some of this was a good idea. For sure. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what, what do you think of... Uh, do you have any do you have any thoughts besides vague threatening uh illusions? Uh good for them. Good good for Rose and Kanaya. Very much. Uh while while I do agree with the 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 foreboding energy of of what we're experiencing. Uh it is it is nice to see Rose and Kanaya not caught in the middle of this the like Dirk orchestration like ruining the relationship. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, um, th- th- speaking of that, there are, like, this, uh, I'm sure that there's ones I've missed already, but there are, like, a number of allusions to, uh, meat throughout yeah. this. Yeah, I imagine that, um, the same thing happens in meat, but I, yeah. I'm going to guess that I probably either missed most of it, and the stuff that I did pick up on, I, like, tacked down to foreshadowing. Yeah. Uh, I okay. I do think Candy has more references to meat, but there were definitely references to Candy in meat. Yeah, I think that like the 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 big thing probably is like what's going on with Dirk. Yeah, I I feel like the the um the chapter of like Dirk losing control uh is greatly aided um by having read meat first because otherwise like well, that well, well, and well, well, the be- let's wait until well, we get there <laughs> okay 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 I- i'm i'm getting a bit ahead of myself let's uh let's let's save what happens in epilogue three for what happens in epilogue three yeah <laughs> okay yeah um very sweet rosemary scene uh good for them um I'm glad that Kanaya was wrong when she said, when she talks about this horrible feeling that she had that something uh, terrible was going to tear uh, Rose away from her forever. Yeah, I, I, thank God that didn't happen. Another another consistent thing that's that's going on right now is that the 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 characters themselves are finding it hard to care about things. Uh, yes, John and Rose in particular. Uh, put a put a pin in that, I guess. I don't know. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, there's some, I think that like the, the sudden apathy, like 
uh, we've been primed by the narrative game that Meat plays. Yeah. Um, something is happening yeah. here. It's just too... I I'm, can't really... Don't don't really have a good idea of what it could possibly be, though. Um, so, yeah. Uh, moving on. Um, further through Epilogue 2. Uh, chapter 5. Um, a Jade, Dave, and Carcat chapter. Um... This is another, this is, uh, we start to see some, like, there's a lot of parallels to what happens in Meat. Yeah. Um, and this is, like, the, the first big, like, whiplash moment for me. Um, so yeah, uh, this chapter. Uh, we see a, a similar scene, um, as we saw in, in Meat, of Jade trying, uh, and, trying, uh, with varying levels of success uh to break the dave cat ice um this time uh she tries to do it by seducing car cat um which doesn't doesn't go great uh he does not take to it uh as i i think anybody probably could have could have guessed um there, they, uh, there's a brief conversation on a Jane Scratch presidential run where Dave, uh, is also, also appears to have this weird virus where he, he can't care about things. And we are in this strange situation of Dave playing softball on Jane's, uh, xenophobic tendencies, uh, as Carcat berates him for it. Yeah. Um... And uh, there's a really interesting little leading line uh, at the to, uh, towards the end of this conversation. Uh, it's on page twenty four in the in the printed version, um, where uh, Dave says, "I don't think she'd go as far as to commit genocide. That's really exaggerating her faults. Like we'd have to get pretty far away from the people that we were when we started all this for that to be a viable outcome." Um, it, it, it it's it's too it's it it reads to me as too susceptible like too uh like out there of a line. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm thinking there's a pin in that one. Uh yeah. Uh any other details I I gl- glossed over in this one. Um the way that like Jade is framed around like David Carcat is like oddly uh dirk, I got to say. Yeah. Um like in what way? Uh, there's, like, just a lot, like, a lot of similarities in the way that, uh, Jade, uh, is trying to, like, catalyze the whole Dave Cat situation, um, that remind me a lot of, like, the way that Dirk talked about it towards the end of Meet, uh, like, uh, where is it, uh, page 21, um, in the print version, uh, where Jade is, like, looking on and watching them, like, kind of do soft PDA, uh, they're so obvious, she thinks, and yet here they are. Virginal losers who are performative about sitting exactly a foot apart whenever they're in public. It's so pathetic it makes her want to howl at the moon in sorrow. Like, you could uh, remove the dog bit from that, and it would be indiscernible from the way that Dirk talks about them in me. Yeah. Which is... It, it, I think it's kind of interesting because, like, I think... I, I feel like in Meat, it was like, how do I want to word this? 
there was one point like during a a, a Jade Dave Cat conversation where Carcat was essentially like, "Oh, oh, Jade, you slut, quit doing that." Uh, yeah, and it's still happening here. It, it's it's still kind of happening here, but like it it's like to me it feels framed a little differently because uh, there's this one line where Dave's like, "Don't you usually spend your weekends at forty eight hour interspecies raves?" Uh, yeah. I I feel like if that that line was said in in meat, he would have said. 48 hour interspecies orgies or something like it it's like similar but it's like just a little bit apart uh yeah um yeah i don't know like that particularly didn't like jump out to me but like i could definitely see that being the case um yeah like the characters are acting like a a little bit out of character to how they wouldn't meet. I agree. I think. Yeah. Um. The 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 like directness of um the so like in meet uh the exact details of like the the Jade trying to break this on the on Dave and Carcat thing like in that scene the inciting incident is like she makes us she like makes a comment about like doing things with their mouths whereas in this one like she like gets on top of car cat and like shoves her fingers in his mouth yeah there's kind of a world of difference between the two yeah um like Gina's a lot more direct uh on on this um like i like i said like Dave being the one, like, Dave kind of trying to, like, pull back from, the like, the conversation being too harsh on Jane. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's the, th- there is a, there is a, a, a big shift in the way that things are playing out, um, but I can't think of a single word to describe it. Maybe. Relative to me. Maybe in, maybe in Meat, Dirk was, like, holding Jane back. Cause like he seemed to be a a, a bit of a, a Dave Cat shipper himself. Oh, you mean um Jade? Jade, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I could see that. Um, he didn't. He did not want uh Jade in the mix, messing everything up. Yeah. I suppose it's possible. That's a I. Yeah, I can run with that. It's an interesting way to explain it. Um. Yeah, I don't know. The only thing that kind of leaves is, like, the Dave's uh, sudden political, uh, like, lack of political fervor. True. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm not, sh- I'm not totally sure what to make of this chapter, just because, like, it's so similar, uh, to the meat one in, in, in premise and, like, the way it uh plays out but it's so different in like so many little like like little ways um that the summary of it is like oh, the sum- the summary like if you, you could you could write like a brief summary of both it would make them sound identical um yeah it it's it's cool but yeah uh yeah the, hard for me to say whether I'm like super into it just because I'm so like wary I'm like on guard <laughs> the 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 more I think about it the 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 lack of politicalness for Dave it it kind of makes me wonder how much how much of like meat was just like Dirk's plan 
Because, like, we, mm-hmm. we know that he was behind, like, Jane running. Pretty much, he was pretty much behind all of that. Uh, yeah. But, like, did he, like, use Dave and Carcat to, like, assure that she would get in? Or, like, like it could have been Dirk making Dave, like, more political. It's it's dark all the way down. It, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess so. Um, oh, the other thing. Um, I remember when we talked about like the meat version of this scene. Uh, I got what I got out of it. Um, that I don't really think played out much in meat, or might have hadn't much room to play out. But like, uh, I immediately like identified that whole sequence as like Jade wanting to like be a grown-up and, like, be in a, like, be adult in yeah. more ways. Um, yeah. uh, and, and in that one, it was, like, Jade wanted to have, like, a more serious relationship with people. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how I would map that onto this chapter specifically, but the whole theme of, like, uh, Jade wanting, like, wanting to have things in, like, a proper order, um... Or, like, having an idea of how things ought to be and then trying to move towards that. It, I would say that that is, like, a, a, a major theme so far of Candy. Yeah. Agreed. So, I I have I have eyes on, on what's going on with Jade. Yeah. Um, interesting, cool way to set, to set that whole thing up uh on in on this side of the of the epilogues. Also, I just noticed this and I wanted to point it out. Um other reason why I can't help but feel this is gonna be important is that the meat or the, the candy spiral is like the red and green. And I know that that's also Calliope and Caliborn, but like Jay didn't really do much in the last epilogue, so I'm gonna say that she's probably got a lot to do around here. Maybe. My wild guess. Dude, what are you talking about? The, the candy just looks like that. That's what all candy oh, looks like. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. Have yep. you never eaten candy before? True, true. I guess by that logic, then uh, the meat side is just red, so it should have been all about uh, Dave, I guess. It was all about Dirk, so I mean close, but not quite. <laughs> okay. Um. Anything more on uh, Carcat... Uh, getting molested uh before we move on. No, I I'm good. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Um chapter 6. Uh Oh man. Um So, uh Jane chapter. Okay. So Jane is uh not doing fantastic after Dirk canceled the presidential run on her. Um she is kind of uh, despondent. Um, she is found. She finds herself at Jake's mansion in seek of, uh, in looking for some kind of reprieve. Um, before getting super into it, I just gotta say that like the the first little descriptive bits of this chapter before we get into uh, Jake the Jake Jane shit. Yeah. Um, some of my favorite uh, writing in this whole reading. Um, I love the description of uh, like Jake's mansion. Um, and the recounting of the little anecdote where Dave, uh, at John's birthday, got in a fight with Jane about neoliberal corporate welfare. <laughs> An incident, uh, so strange that it has stuck with Jane this entire time. Uh, years later. Good. 
Um, <laughs> it's... <laughs> Again, um, fits perfectly into my, uh, my headcanon of Dave just being, like, uh, Chapo Trap House listener reply guy. <laughs> um, and on the, on the, on the Jake, uh, mansion thing, um, I think my favorite part of this was the, uh, stained glass windows of the Blue Babes. It's so um, good. With, <laughs> with, uh... Where uh, where is it? Uh, blue light filters in from the stained glass windows on the top floor of the foyer, where depictions of cerulean sirens lounge against surprisingly tasteful modernist backdrops. Um, wonderful stuff. Classic Jake. Yes, we we love Jake here on this show. Um, speaking of Jake, uh, Jake shows up and he is uh inebriated at nine in the morning. Uh, shooting guns off inside his own house <laughs> at the empty wine bottles that he is uh, draining himself. Um, Jake has probably been uh, better, we'll say. Yeah. Um, Jane uh, seeking uh, solace in her situation uh, reaches out to Jake um, and they bond a little bit on the having Dirk in their lives. Um, where is it? Oh my god, I didn't write down where the hell where actually in the text it says this. Uh, but there's a conversation they have um, where, talking about Dirk. Uh, yeah, okay, here it is. Uh, page 30. Um, Jane uh, is talking about uh, how she could probably run for president on her own. Um, but really, uh, Dirk has this way of things where if you're doing something and it doesn't involve Dirk, it just doesn't feel like it's worth anything. Uh, Jake uh, echoes this and puts it into words uh, better than Jane does. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, 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 they're both feeling like on, they're feeling directionless without Dirk. Yeah. Um, another thing that makes more sense if we've read Meat first. Uh, in light of this situation, uh, Jane decides to, uh, join on the drinking and attempt to seduce Jake. Um, to which, uh, he, um, surprisingly, uh, and I did a little cheer, uh, he rejects her advances and he's like, I hope that, I hope that things work out for you. Um... And I'm so proud of him in this moment. And the next time we see him, I wanted to scream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. the The rejection is a really good Jake moment. Uh, yeah. Cause like, in meat, Jake was just a pawn to be like pushed around and do what other people say. And here, he gets to stand up for himself a little. Yeah, we were never really given much time to uh, feel anything other than sorry for Jake. And so this little moment of, like, pride, um, it's very welcome. We don't get many of these. for like I, I, I do love Jake, um, and these are so few and far between. I, 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 I'm, I'm so proud of him in this moment. Agree. Um, Agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think about Jane in this scene? Um... I'm going to be honest, I never really know what to think about Jane. <laughs> okay. I I, am... I said it when we read Homestuck. I, I I don't get Jane. I don't... 
I don't know. I she's here. She's she's a character. People like her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a part of the story. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, I I felt more like I feel like this. I appreciate uh the the humanization of Jane a little bit. Um, yeah. I do think that it's kind of unfortunate that in the bits of the epilogue so far where Jane has kind of gotten to be a character, like, both times has been, like, uh, her seducing Jake. Um, Damn. Yeah, it's, it's a... It's, it's, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm not a huge Jane head, but like I I, I liked seeing kind of a, a I liked the the more human side of her here. Um, and I thought it was cool that they were gonna have a, that they were having a conversation that was like, man, it's weird how when Dirk is in your life, everything feels fucked up and weird, and you're not in control of it, right? Interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> Wonder why that is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, the. Jane, uh, the, the seduction of Jake, like, I, I don't think really does her ton of favors, and I think that this is probably from the perspective of, like, us seeing, like, what's going on in Jake's head a little bit more sometimes, and, like, knowing that Jake is kind of a victim of his own fame to a degree. Uh, but, yeah, I, 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 I like Jane, I think, I, I'd say I like, I like Jane here more than I like Jane anywhere else in the epilogues, so. Yeah. There's that, I guess. Um, let's see. Okay. Uh, oh. Uh, anything before we move on to the next chapter? Uh, I think I'm good. Alright, next chapter. Uh, chapter seven. Um, John's been spending a lot of time with Roxy lately. Uh, so yeah, this chapter opens on, uh, John and Roxy and Calliope and Gamzee, uh, taking a little stroll, uh... (laughs) Th- uh, th- through a, a non-specific city um, on Earth C, uh, it literally oh, no, it, it no, literally, new, says... it literally says New Prospect. I had it in my fucking notes. It literally says New Prospect. I Alex, edit this out. That's embarrassing. <laughs> um, they're they're walking through New Prospect, uh, and uh, they, they've they come across uh, Roxy and Clappy's favorite cafe, um, as Rocky so enthusiastically proclaims, um. And, uh, Roxy drags John inside. Um, and Calliope and Gamzee remain, uh, remain outside. Um, Roxy kind of continues to aggressively come on to John, um, while, uh, Calliope from the outside watches. And this is our first, uh, I think this is our first, like, suddenly Calliope is the main character moment of the story. Um, was, uh, I was a little bit surprised by it. But, um, yeah, Calliope, uh, is sad, uh, about the way that things are progressing with John and Roxy. Um, but she knows that this is, uh, all for the greater good, and we're all gonna be very, very happy at the end of this. Damn, we're gonna be so fucking happy. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Um, Gamzee, uh, is, uh... I guess for everything, for everything that is Gamzee, he at least has the emotional intelligence to recognize that Calliope is down in the dumps about this, and he offers to do something about it. Um, well, to motherfucking do something about it. Calliope uh, turns down his uh, generous request um, and uh, just leaves. Uh, 
Um, poor Calliope. Like, holy shit. Uh, the, the, I think that it's kind of easy to lose in this chapter. Like, how fucking much it has to suck if you're, like, walking around, you're, you're out on a nice day out with your girlfriend and her new guy she's obsessed over and an evil clown who smells like sewage and your girlfriend uh, just transparently ditches you to mac on this guy. Poor Calliope. And then the clown offers to murder him for you. Poor Calliope. What, what a horrible, what a horrible place she has found herself in. Um, yeah, Calliope leaves, makes an exit from the situation, um, and Gamzee decides to do something about it in his own way, I suppose. Um, he, uh, he enters the cafe, um, makes things very awkward for Roxy and John, and, uh, when Roxy leaves, he sits down, he sits down, and he's like, hey, no secrets here, I get what's going on. I'm gonna be the greatest wingman you've ever had. This whole conversation is insane. <laughs> it's unfucking believable. I can't, I can't believe I'm saying this. Um, but Gamzee's dialogue is amazing, and I love every moment of it. Uh, the 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 horror of Gamzee sitting down across from John and being like. I'm gonna help you work out all your problems. I cannot imagine anything, anyone I would want to help work out whatever I'm going through here less than Gamzee Makara. The, 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 the one line that I, I, I had to like put my notes down and I had to like go stare at the wall. <laughs> I, when Gamzee says, a capital motherfucking crime to be squandering Earth pussy like that, <gasps> that's an insane thing to make a character say. Un. Yes. The- <laughs> G- Gamzee, the ac- the actual Gamzee dialogue is is quite fucking something. Um, the 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 weird misogyny uh that 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 is just permeates the whole thing. Uh, amazing, amazing stuff. It's just, it's just great. You got this bitch on a rope. It's time to pull her into your tent. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I like how John's response is just, holy shit. I can be your wingman in this carnal fucking caper. I can help a little bitch like you romantically redeem his sorry ass. Let a motherfucker help a motherfucker out. Her popcorn skillet's piping hot for you. You just need a, you just need a tight and loyal boy like me to start shoveling in the corn. Maybe maybe having Gamzee back's good. <laughs> Gamzee rules. I take like everything bad I've said about Gamzee. Gamzee is Gamzee is saving Homestuck uh, single handedly. God, <sighs> that actually um reminds. Okay, so something that I noticed throughout this reading that um is not done with, but it, it you've reminded me of it, so I'm gonna bring it up. Something I wrote it down specifically anywhere. Um, the there's like a lot of uh attention drawn to Roxy's femininity in this yes. in Candy so far. Yes, there is. Um and I just think that that's interesting. I uh, given that Roxy's entire arc in meat was like not being a girl. Yeah. Um I I don't know what to make of it. Um there 
yeah, like there's this whole uh like Gamzee, like this this romance thing going on. Um, like it's the very first chapter, I believe it's described like uh the narration like describes Roxy as like squealing, like squ- like squealing, and then it yeah. runs it back, and it's like that's a little bit too girlish. Um, there's like an illusion late. There's like a scene w- like later on where like she pulls a a tissue out from between her boobs, and I'm like that wouldn't happen in meat. Yeah. Um, a lot of like just a lot of things sprinkled throughout, and uh, given what we know, or like given what in meat we are shown of like what Roxy is going through internally, I find it very. Uh, trying to find a word other than interesting, but it, it is very interesting the way that the text is like constantly calling attention to like a Roxy as a, as a woman or yeah. as a girl, and like, yeah, um, yeah, we'll get and we'll get we'll get to that more later. Um, but it is it is a thread that I wanted to address. Okay. All right. Uh, anything else before we uh, move forward? Um, no. uh, okay. Okay. All right. Uh, epilogue two, chapter eight. Uh, we got another Rose and Kanaya chapter. Um, woo! 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 pretty good. So, uh, Rose and Kanaya, um, we're, we're hanging out, uh, down in the, in the caves, um, with the mother grub. Kanaya's trying to tending to the mother grub. It's an important time in her lifespan. Um, so Rose and I are kind of talking about, uh, the future, um, while she tends to the mother grub, um, talk about the election and, uh, how, you know, who would have run against her? Car cat? That'd be crazy. Um, we get introduced to, uh, Swiffer Eggmop, uh, I, who I have gathered as an iconic beloved character. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, love the description of, uh, her talking like a parody of a 20s newsboy. Um, I think that something that Homestuck really needs is just more Germa characters. Uh, and I just, ever since reading the, the, the 20s, like, newsboy thing, like, I can only read Swiffer as, like, Germa doing that voice. Um, and it's, I would say it's ruining it for me, but it's really elevating it to a whole nother level. Uh, uh, worth pointing out now. Now that we've gotten to, I don't. I don't want to call. I don't want to call her Swiffer. I really don't. <laughs> I Swiffer Swiffer. I I say Swiffer. Uh, I I saw the phrase uh, Swiffer adjust the rate of her Swiffing, and I'm like, I can't say it like Swiffer. Why sorry, do, we, sorry. Yeah, you were saying. Well, I mean, Swiffer is a brand of like mop things. So yeah. I mean, I get it, but I I don't like saying Swiffer. <laughs> Uh, anyways. Tissue Kleenex. <laughs> anyways. Uh, this is a character that we actually have seen before. Uh, she appeared in the credits. Swiffin' some eggs. Let's go. So this is an can established I, can I look what character. This character looks like? Huh? Am I allowed to Google this character to find out what she looks like? I just, oh, I just sent okay, a picture, there's... yeah. Um, is she the one in the sunglasses or the one... The one that's Swiffin'. <laughs> okay. She's Swiffin'. Oh, she's Swiffin', all right. All right. Uh, Swiffer Eggmont, real. Um, okay. Uh, where, where were we? Uh, Swiffer, real. Um, the paper, uh, is coming by. Uh, 
the new Prospect Hornographer is swinging by uh, the the Brood Caves to take some pictures. Um, so uh, Kanai reveals that she set that story up uh, in response to she she says uh, in response to Jane coming to her to ask if she would be uh, the head of uh, responsible troll reproduction. Um, Kanaya, uh, decided to use her connections to set up a story with a local newspaper, uh, to get out there, to, 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 to put some more public visibility on troll reproduction is a thing that's not, like, this weird, scary campaign issue. Yeah. Um, there's a brief allusion to Dirk, uh, another, another meat allusion, um, a parallel reality where things are very different. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, can I rest? Let's see. Um, Jersey Dirk illusion. Uh, ah, in the midst of this conversation, uh, we learned that the mother grub is, we're, we are finally time when, uh, troll, natural troll reproduction can begin. This is why we're at such a critical point in, uh, the political, the, in, we're at such a crucial political moment. Um, and we, we, we witness, uh, the first grub, uh, hatch, hatch out of its egg. Um, and it's a little baby Vriska. My God. (laughs) Kanaya and Rose are so, uh, caught up in whatever, uh, whatever narrative thing is going around that causes everybody to stop caring and just, we're just going to be happy with what we're doing. Um, they decide on the spot uh all the weirdness involved and social awkwardness and implications be damned they're gonna raise baby Friska um they're gonna adopt her and it's gonna be we're, we're gonna be so happy so incredibly happy it's gonna it's gonna be amazing the the, the, yeah. the first time I read candy I I I, I was unsure about where it was going because I read meat first. I I, mm-hmm. I I was going through that. I'm unsure where this is going to go. Uh, and I, I I couldn't figure out what it was trying to be until this exact moment when when Vriska crawls out of the egg, and I was like, <laughs> oh, it's a soap opera. <laughs> this is yeah. this, this is just like Days of Our Lives. It's it's just a soap opera. It. <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 camera pans down to reveal the baby grub Vriska in that weird like high frame rate soap opera way <laughs> and it cuts the commercial break for real Swiffer mobs. <laughs> and, and, and that's how I read the rest of Candy. I, I read it in the mindset of this is a soap opera. And I, I think it made it way more fun. I, I think that that's kind of what it's going for. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> The the reveal of like little baby Vriska um is utter lunacy. Um I it's deranged. Um I don't know what to say about it. Uh besides sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um I think it's very funny that uh meet uh tells a Vriska-less story by killing her off, um, in a really kind of casual, cruel way. 
Um, and then having John and Terezi, like, emotionally move on from her. Um, and then here, like, we see her be born into the story to cause problems. It's insane. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> Bravo. Bravo, Hussey, and the Homestuck writing team. Ugh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Um... Good for them. <laughs> okay. Uh, I legitimately have, like, no analytical insight or speculation to offer uh, onto there being a baby Riska now. So, if you have nothing to offer, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep us moving. Yeah, we can keep moving. Okay. Okay. Because um, we got we got a good one. We got a, we got another uh, Jade Dave Cat chapter. Um, okay. So, Jade has dragged Dave and Carcat out of the house. Um, they're walking around, uh, seeing the sights of the Troll Kingdom, uh, under the under the evening uh, sunset. Um, so, uh, Jade has another harebrained scheme uh, up her up her sleeve again. My God. Um. So, uh, Carcat, uh, we begin the chapter, Carcat is, uh, entranced by a, one of those mechanical billboards, uh, for Rumble and the Pumpkin Patch, portraying Jake's, uh, bulbous padded ass, um, mechanically, uh, represented, uh, both in texture and in motion. Um, Dave makes fun of him for, uh, being so fixated on Jake's ass, like, that's kind of gay, bro, what are you doing? Um... And, uh, Jade uses this as a segue to be like, hey, there's other asses that you could be more concerned about, like each other's. Um, the, Dave and Carcat, uh, are, exhibit their usual, uh, stony, uh, responses designed to move the social situation along without resolving it, like they have countless times before. Um... But uh, Jay's plan this time uh, is that while Carcat's uh, Carcat is turned away from her, uh, she gives him a quick kiss on the cheek, and then uh, reveals that in fact it was Dave who did that. Whoa, whoa! Um, why would Dave do that? Why would you do that, bro? That's kind of sus. Uh, this cause uh, her announcing this um, causes Dave to short circuit in such a spectacular fashion that he has left no recourse but to use his time powers to just zip on out of there. Um, his whole... Uh, there's this whole sequence um, on uh, page 50 uh, where... <laughs> Dave describes Carcat as petite um, in his desperate <laughs> attempt to make himself seem not gay. Uh, great, great stuff. Um... How could somebody kiss this guy like anybody when his teeth are so... When my teeth are so fucking what? They're just... Dude, they're just... They're huge and not always in your mouth. So, like, how would a guy get his tongue in there? Like, <laughs> meltdown on of catastrophic proportions. Um, yeah. Uh, Dave uh, realizes that he is only making things worse for himself. Uh, and he uh, zaps out of there. Um, Jay turns to Carcat. Uh, and Carcat takes a step backward and, uh, falls his ass the whole way down the hill they're standing on. Um, 
and uh, Jade storms off in a huff. Uh, at, uh, once again, she is the only person left on her date. Damn. What a time. Uh, the... <laughs> I, would li- I would like to specifically shout, it's, it's not of any relevance whatsoever. Uh, Jade seeing, like, an ultraviolet, like, afterimage when Dave, like, time travels i think that's a really cool thing (laughs) i think that's good world building it's pretty cool it gives some more uh like actual texture to whenever the characters like use their powers which is not something like i think explicitly like we super needed but like it's fun watching it translate well it's fun watching them how they translate it to uh to like book and not yeah. comic panel because yeah. I, th- I think that like some of these details especially given that we're in soap opera mode would be very easy to like just not include or gloss over yeah um and it does add a lot of it does add like some fun uh like yeah some texture to uh, uh the the characters like powers interact like it makes it easier to visualize i like it i like it a lot i like it a lot too whoa i started talking too fast and i failed okay so all right we're on the, right, we're on the same page as the the, the ultraviolet description good good yeah um man the <laughs> the i think that this one also has kind of like a uh a similar thing going on to last one where like it's very much in the same vein as the stuff in meat, but the it just feels like ever so slightly different. Yeah. Um there's the whole like beginning conversation where like Dave uh takes the conversation about like Carcat ogling Jake's ass a little bit further than like I think you would expect him to in meat, to the degree where like He's like, oh, yeah, let me uh, call up Dirk and we can arrange an appointment for you to feel uh, Jake's ass for real. Uh, that just doesn't seem like something that he would do in in me. Yeah. Um, like, other than that, like, I don't know. Uh, it's it, it is what it is. Uh, it's 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 funny. Um I, I I enjoy it, uh, but it's like a little bit. It, it's it's kind of hard to um, view it in the same way as like the meat version of this, just because you know I'm going through it. Like, oh, this is like another version of how it happened in meat. Yeah. So yeah, um, I don't fucking know. Uh, I guess that the one. I guess it's something that uh. Something in, in Candy I'm noticing that, like, goes along with, like, the soap opera-ness of it is that, like, Jade's perspective is kind of more, uh, highlighted yeah. in this stuff. Well, I um, mean, in, in Meat, like, Jade got, like, neutralized, like, pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, we didn't, we didn't get much of the awkward comedy of, of Jade wanting polyamory and the other two not really going for it. Uh, yeah, I, it was. Meat was very much. We're doing Dave Cat, and and yeah. Jade is is having plot happen to her. I guess I would say like, there, there, this this doesn't really have like a direct 
parallel in meat, I don't think, like yeah. the last one did, because that was, like, la- like, so this is just kind of, like, a retread of the first time around. Um, the progress being made being that, like, Dave is now having a crisis that he, Dave is now, like, internally having a crisis that he has to resolve. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, in meat it was, like, we're doing Dave Cat, and now it's, like, Dave has to go do Dave for a little bit before we can do Dave Cat. Yeah. Or whatever the hell we're gonna end up doing here. Um, yeah, uh, the, like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to say about, like, um, the, the element of this, it's, like, Jade coming on to Carcat, um, because that also seems a lot more pronounced in, uh, in this, like, last time, like, she stuck his fingers in his mouth, for Christ's sake, um, and, you know, like, it, it's part of the gambit, but, like, she does, like, uh, go down and kiss Carcat specifically. Like, I don't know. I feel like given that there's like history between all these characters, it's it's it. it, it we, I shouldn't ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the end, she's like, "Damn, single again." All right. Uh, moving on. Um, chapter ten. Uh, the date chapter between uh Roxy and John. Um, starts out, uh, in a conversation between John and Terezi, um, while, uh, so, uh, Roxy is, well, John is sitting alone at the table at the fancy restaurant that they're uh, having a date at, um, and, uh, while Roxy is, uh, not at the table, John is uh, having a little conversation with, uh, Terezi. Um, so... Terezi, uh, teases him a bit about Roxy, um, which, uh, prompts John privately to wonder, uh, well, Terezi says, like, she uses the word love, and John immediately is like, is that correct? Uh, is love the way that, is, like, love the correct descriptor for this scenario? Um. Damn. Yeah. We're, it's tough shit to ask yourself. Um. And, uh, it's maybe not helped by, uh, Terezi only reassuring John that, like, things with Roxy are gonna go great, like, if she's here, like, it's pretty on the table how she feels, like, uh, Terezi is, like, Terezi is being a great friend, um, unbeknown, uh, like, unknowing, like, unknowingly that what she's saying right now is, like, John is, John's having a, uh, is, is having, like, a tough time internally, it seems. Um, he's not quite sure how he feels. Uh, and, uh, when Roxy comes back to the table, uh, he's gripped by a feeling of guilt for having been, like, talking to Terezi. Like, he hides his phone in the way that you do when, like, oh, kind of, not doing something you're not supposed to. Kind of weird, dude. Kind of weird. Yep, yeah, kind of weird. Um... Let's see. Uh, it's underlined uh, with um, where is it? Or not underlined? But like, it, uh, some of this is like assuaged a little bit by um, uh, it says fifty six. Like he's genuinely glad to be here. Roxy is beautiful. The restaurant is beautiful. He feels like he's fumbling at something ex- existentially beautiful here. Um, there's something about the way that she's looking at him that makes him f- glad he got out of bed today. It makes him, for the first time in years, excited about the idea that the future is a thing that exists. Like, this is kind of coming into like the territory that we've seen with, like, uh, the Rosemary stuff and, like, the Dave Cat stuff previously, where, like, 
the the big theme is like the, the character is like other person makes me feel like no like nobody else like other person like makes me feel like nobody else does yeah. uh for a long time um but we're getting it here in like a one-sided observation um just from John uh while he's also conflicted about other things it's a lot going on right now um let's see uh so yeah so Roxy returns um Making so Roxy comes back and uh, as she sits down, makes a poignant comment about gender. Um, we're getting we're getting a a hint a hint of gender whoa, is creeping up on us. Whoa, gender in my home stuck. Oh man, what the hell? I haven't seen that before. Yeah, um, it's a it's like a quick uh, it it comes and goes pretty fast. Um, but uh. Yeah, uh, Roxy is like, hey, sorry I took so long, I was doing my makeup. Um, John's like, you don't have to do makeup, you're beautiful. Um, I love John, he's great. Uh, but Roxy, Ro- Roxy responds, is like, you ever think about gender? Um, and John does not understand what's, uh, what she's asking, um, but he says, I don't think girls should feel like they have to wear makeup just because they're girls. Uh, very, it's just very cute. I love, um... <laughs> Finally, somebody John, said it. <laughs> he's being a good feminist. Uh, it's, it's, he's so good. Um, but, uh, Roxy, uh, says, there's an interesting comment, uh, what Roxy says here, I think, is, uh, uh, of note. Um, she says, like, uh, what was it? Uh, she wants to, like, get out of the situation. She says, just a feeling I get. Like, this fancy dress is a costume. Like, I'm just play-acting at being a grown-up woman. Um, and John is like, what's... I know that feeling. What even are adults? Um, I know that, like, this is, like, cheating. But, like, I know that, like, the like John gender stuff is, like, down the line. Because mm-hmm. um, that's, I like... I know, like, when we were first starting this whole thing out, uh, years ago, was the big hub in the fandom was that was going to be the big payoff before Homestuck 2 was unfortunately, uh, squirreled away from the public. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's impossible for me to see this as anything besides, like, a jumping off point for more stuff to happen in the John Roxy gender space. Uh, but yeah. Um, and in light of that, uh, like, there was also stuff in that, like, I found relatable, um, but for, like, other reasons, I think, (laughs) but, like, the thing that John says about, like, being 23 and still a huge loser, like, I kind of relate to that as well, like, I feel like that's more of a universal experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and that might also just be a byproduct of, like, we're reading this uh three years deep into COVID and everything in society is still crumbling. Um yeah. But yeah, uh there's this conversation um where we get like a first hint of like Roxy uh experiencing unrest with her with existing as a girl, I guess. Um and John doesn't quite understand what she's talking about, but is enthusiastic to agree. Um and Voices like, yeah, life's fucking tough and confusing. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that if the the theme of uh, homestuck is being a teen is hard and nobody understands, I'm gonna say that being the uh, this 
is uh being an adult is hard um and you got to work all this shit out on your own <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah uh moving from that uh let's see uh there's kind of a cute moment where they're like um well i mean we got each other to figure out whatever is going on so how bad can it be um it's it's yeah it's cute. Uh, John is again gripped by, um, in he he's gripped by non-specific uh, nerves. Uh, when Roxy uh, reciprocates what he thought earlier and said, nobody else has ever made me feel. No one else has ever made me feel like this. Um, and for some reason, this elicits a reaction where uh, he starts sweating, he starts shaking, um, he starts immediately thinking about uh, Calliope and Therese and all the complicating factors in the situation. Um, and, uh, just as, uh, he, uh, just before he can really, uh, screw anything up as well as this freak out, uh, Dave shows up. Um, <laughs> yeah, Dave is here now and he's, uh, he's having a time. Um, he, uh, it's described that he's like running down the street and then when he sees John in the restaurant, uh, he, uh, Re, uh, he reorients himself and like strides inside uh, with such smoothness that everybody in the restaurant takes notice. Damn. Um, and he, uh, he, he comes up to Roxy and John's table and he demands a private audience with John in between uh, reassurances that he's totally fine and not freaking out at all. So, uh, yeah. Uh, John takes the opportunity to leave um, see whatever Dave has to say. And on the way out, uh, he checks his phone, uh, and indulges in continuing to talk to Terezi, which, uh, what does it say? Um, as much fun as he's been having with Roxy, there's an annoying little voice screaming at him underneath everything else he's done and it's said tonight that desperately needs to know what else Terezi had to say. Besides, uh, behind Dave's back as he leaves the, as he leads the way, John swipes the screen to catch up with her answers, smiling conspiratorially. So yeah, that's going on. Um, I don't think there's a lot of ambiguity left to however that, what's going on there. Man. I remember, I remember when I first read Candy, I was like, like I said, I read Meat first. Uh, and I mentioned when we were, when we were covering Homestuck proper, uh, I, I said how towards the end of the comic, I was, I was a big John Roxy fan. Uh, mm-hmm. that was, that was, that was the go-to shit. And what, one, one of the things that I wanted in, in the epilogues, uh, was so, some, some good John Roxy content. Uh, <laughs> but, but like when I started to read candy and, and like, I was getting like this as it's presented to me, I was like, I don't have a good feeling about this. <laughs> I, I, I really don't, especially with the, the Terezi stuff, uh, having already been presented with that in meat, I was like, man, I, I don't, I don't know how the forecast for John Roxy's looking. I'm kind of unsure. <laughs> Terezi has come to, to fuck everything up. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's great soap opera content. You got to admit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very fun is. drama. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <sighs> I, I guess, like, no offense to anybody, but I, I like Terezi more than I like Roxy. Damn. Um, Damn. 
and I like... I am just relishing that Terezi is, like, in the story and, like, not, like, being tortured. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, sad for John that the torture has to be offloaded onto him, and also Roxy for being in this situation, I guess, but, like, I'm happy, I'm happy that Terezi's around. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, um, I think that this is, like, really where the theme starts to emerge, uh, of, like, so, like, the whole premise of candy versus meat is that, like, meat is gonna be tougher to swallow, but it's, like, a more filling meal. Yeah. Whereas candy is not filling, but it tastes good, but too much of it might make you sick. Yeah. And I think that, like, the way that that's really manifesting so far, um, just to link it back in the, in the last couple chapters, um, is, like, we see that with uh, with John and Roxy here, that, like, the candy is, like, John gets to get back together with Roxy, and that's great. Like, that, ev- like, that, that, like that, that, that sounds sweet. Like, why would, why would you not want that? Um, and then, as, but it goes on, as, as we're going on, like, the, the, like, indulging this is just making us sick, as in it's making John realize that maybe this isn't what like maybe this isn't just all he wants yeah um he it's not filling Mm. we'll say so yeah uh i with do you have any more remarks to make on this chapter before i move us along i do not okay okay so moving on john Um, dave To, to, to further elaborate on on my thesis, um, we we now bring we 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 find ourselves at chapter eleven, uh, epilogue two. Um, so uh, Dave in this one is the one who's having a tough time. So Dave, uh, he he pulls John aside and he's like, "I need to talk to somebody um, about this crap. Um, what do you think about me and Carcat?" and John, uh, because John is incapable of not being uh, sweet and precious and honest, um, <laughs> is like, I think you and Carcat are adorable together uh, for all of the reasons that make you a great ship. And Dave's like, damn. You know, I never really quite figured out the whole whether I'm gay thing. Damn. Yeah. Well, John asks if, if this is about the whole whether you're gay thing, and Dave's like, yeah, it's about whether or not I'm gay. Um... He, he uses the phrase gay snooze button. Um, I think that's great. Uh, John just being like, holy fucking shit, there's a gay snooze button? And Dave's like, yeah, man, there's a gay snooze button. <laughs> um, yeah, Dave is... Dave is caught between um, the, his feelings for Carcat uh, and... I, I, I don't want to use the phrase his feelings for Jade, but his feelings about Jade, at least. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Dave is not entirely confident in his own sexuality still. Um, he doesn't know how to handle this whole situation. Uh, the way that, like, it, 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 from, from his conversation with John, um, like, I, I think Dave definitely, like, understands that he loves Carcat and, like, but but doesn't want to really acknowledge it to himself or anybody. 
or anybody else. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the whole presence of Jade is really throwing a wrench into the situation. Um, because Dave, like, what is it? He feels like he owes Jade yeah. something, which is like yeah. never a good first stepping point for a relationship. Um, he talks about how like, uh, Jade and Dave Sprite had their whole thing. And then Dave Sprite died or exited the picture by becoming Dave Petta. Um, and he feels like he owes it to her to at least like make an attempt, um, which, yeah, is is a is a disastrous idea from the way from the way that I see it. Um, it's clear to me that like Dave just needs to figure his shit out with Carcat, um, yeah. instead of trying to add a third person to their relationship before it's really even formally formally a relationship, um, out of a sense of obligation he has, yeah. uh, for a person that like. He at no point here does he make like a reference to ever like being attracted to Jade or like wanting to have like a relationship with her. Um, it's only like he talks about Jade like how like she like uh like she's been deprived of him and like it's um it's something he has to make up to her. Yeah. Uh, I I don't think it would be a great idea at this point for Dave to try to do for Dave to do anything besides like set a very firm boundary with Jade, and try to work out whatever he's going through with Carcat. Yeah. Um. John. Uh. Is. John is John, and he suggests <laughs> that uh, if if Dave is if this is so hard and he feels like he has to choose, why not just flip a coin? Um, John has no grasp on anything at all. <laughs> John is com- John is the most detached from reality human on Earth. See, um, he's trying. He's trying really hard. Um, this is uh immediately. Dave is like you've been talking to Terezi. Um, which is, I think, less of a uh, like less of an indictment of anything. Terezi, like any perspective Terezi would have in the situation, more than it is a reminder that like. Dave has a history with Terezi that probably also is complicated and probably doesn't make his own personal introspection any easier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, John spectacularly fails to offer anything to Dave besides just being like, yeah, I think you and Carcat are really cute together. Um, and he makes a, a, a critical misstep by saying, um, like when, when Dave says like, you know, maybe I'll just date both. It'll be fine. That'll be how I'll work it out. Uh, John says it doesn't feel canon. And that turns Dave off enough that he, uh, decides he needs to seek guidance elsewhere in the form of Dirk. Um, this, I feel so bad for John. I feel bad for both of them, but like. I the experience of like when a friend clearly needs some kind of support and you just have no idea how to give that to them. Yeah. I I feel I I I I I feel John's shoes here pretty bad. Um and I feel really fucking bad for Dave. Yeah. John leaves his house for the first time in like 5 years and is immediately expected to give like life altering romance advice yeah um the 
there's some real weight given to this conversation as well, because uh, the end of the chapter... Um, so the, end, the the way that this conversation ends, is brought to an end, is, like, Roxy comes out and um, shouts to... Like, they're sitting on top of a building, and John, she comes out and she shouts at John from the street. Um, and it's like, hey, we got kicked out of the restaurant. Uh, see you in ten minutes. And John is... The conversation is, like, winding down anyway. Jake is... Dirk has... Dave has just said, uh, maybe I gotta go talk... I think I gotta go talk to Dirk. Um, which is probably not where you want to be if you're trying to support your friend. And they just said they'd have to go to talk to Dirk Strider about it. Yeah. Um... But yeah, Roxy pulls John away, and uh, this is kind of the nail in the car for that for the their talk. And um, it's described that uh, when John turns to look at Dave again, uh, what was it? Uh, Dave is uh, practically translucent, barely there, half out the door emotionally. Translucent is such an interesting word used to describe that. Um, yeah. Considering it's the same way that it was like John was described when he was dying in meat. Um, but, uh, the, the, the really want to get here is, um, John feels like he could have done more. Like this whole conversation was sand running through his fingers. It itches at the back of his head. The idea that he might've just fucked up Dave's entire life. Like that's tough shit, man. I feel like, damn. Yeah. It's, it's rough. Yeah. I, <laughs> the, I don't know the the like um it 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 yeah it just feels bad. We're like less we're we're sixty eight pages in and we already feel like Dave's life might have just been ruined and he has to go talk to Dirk like Dave already in critical condition. Damn, surely surely Dirk will give him some good advice. Surely. Okay. Speaking of dire circumstances. Shall we return oh to what's going God. on with Jake? So I don't like this chapter. Left. I don't like this chapter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where we left last. So, um, listeners with an attention span of an hour or more will recall that where we left Jake off last time, um, it was at his his shimmering moment of pride. Uh, he had just managed to uh, exercise his own agency. And turn uh, Jane's illicit advances down. Um, chapter twelve of of Candy. Uh, we open on a hungover um, and uh, fully new Jake uh, awakening from a night of substance propelled, trickster assisted debauchery uh, to his utter dismay. Um. Jane is there, because why wouldn't she be? Um, and we ascertain that, uh, basically, they got really wasted, uh, and they got high on the trickster shit, and they fucked a lot. Um, and, uh, Jane is, sees nothing wrong with this whole thing, she's very enthusiastic, um, and, uh, Jake almost, almost manages... To, to commit and be like, I'm sorry, this was too much for me, I can't do this. But at the moment where he would have to break Jane's heart, he just can't bring himself to. My god. It... He got so close. Speaking of ways that chapters end that just make you want to die, 
She He flails when she kisses him, but this time there's no doubt he hasn't said no. I want to die. I want to be dead. So bad. We're, we're, we're immediately back to feeling bad for Jake. We got, we got one moment. One, yeah. one, one moment, and now we're back. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, this is genuinely really fucked up. Yeah. Um, I... <sighs> I don't think I have to explain that. Uh, I I don't know what I don't know what there is to say about this chapter besides fuck. Yeah. I it I I wanted to talk about how much I liked a window into Jane like being like you know sympathetic and nice a little bit and like having a window into how Dirk negatively influences her like. And then we just go back to this, and it's it's so hard. Um, <sighs> Damn. I... It's a... The, I don't believe the lollipop was Jake's idea. I'll just say that. Yeah. I... I all of the... I, I, I have very little sympathy for Jane at this moment in the story. I'm, I do not trust her very much. And that that's a uh, that's about all I have to say about that. Yeah. Um yeah. We can we can move on from that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I, like I don't know if there's much else like that should like I, yeah, Jake Jake is a great character. Uh we we love Jake. I love Jake. Um and it's terrible, terrible, terrible. Okay. Um all right, so moving on from uh from rape, uh now we have another uh another topic that's uh just as light. Um So Dave goes, so chapter 13. Dave goes to get assistance from Dirk to to visit Dirk to pick his brain to to hear what he has to say. Um there's a vague allusion to the voice, to the ghost in his head, not telling him what's going on anymore, which made me wonder what's actually going on in Candy. Um, but the important part, the important events that happen, um, Dave goes to Dirk's lab. Uh, it is unlocked. Um, Dirk is not there. Gamzee is there. And Gamzee's got some interesting things to say. Um... His presence is, of course, unexpected. Um, he says he's been waiting for uh, Dave, um, and he offers him a he offers him a redemp a redemption arc, um, and tells him uh, that Dirk told him that uh, you're gonna get what's best for you. Dirk, uh, Dave pushes past Gamzee, uh onward to the actual uh, robot lab, um, and he. It still finds no indication of Dirk's presence, but he finds an unfinished robot with a note in its hand, and um, that's uh, where we leave off as as Dave's heart plummets. Damn. Okay. Um, I thought about ending us right there. You son of a bitch. I thought about it. But I was like, no, we've got to get Epilogue 3 out of the way. Like, first episode of Candy. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see why why our, our first reading was so long to accommodate this. Because, uh, 
this is a this is going to cast a shadow over the entire rest of the epilogue. Yeah. So, um, do you mind if I just do chapter fourteen? Go, go ahead. R- rip the ba- right. rip the bandaid off. All right, epilogue three. Um, this is our one and only bit of you-ness. Um, and, uh, for this you chapter, uh, we are Dirk Strider. Um, what are we doing? We are running up, uh, a bell tower in the Carapace City. Why are we doing it? Um, to kill ourselves. Damn. And why are we killing ourselves? Um... Because uh, we just don't see this existence as worth existing anymore. Um, you uh, okay? I'll I'll just I'll I'll read this 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 highlight. Um, you left a note, but you don't expect any of your friends to understand. It's not important that they do. A flip of the cosmic coin has rendered your entire life completely inessential. What could you accomplish in a dead end existence like this? There are no stakes, no meaningful challenges, no structures or themes. Only resi- only residual chemical reactions and a dying brain. A physical system is obligate compulsion to exhaust its own lingering momentum. A cockroach with its head cut off, waiting to die of thirst. I think that's every bit of insight that we need on to why Dirk chooses to do this. Yeah. Um. And, uh... Yeah. Uh... The way that Dirk chooses to kill himself um, is, uh... Hanging... But hanging with such an excessively long rope that when he jumps from the bell tower, uh, once it hits taut, it should decapitate him instantly. Um, one of his favorite things till the end, I guess. Damn. And uh, he does it. Um, and we are assured that uh, for someone in a mental state like Dirk's, uh, any act of self-termination would surely result in a just death. So yeah, um, that happens. This Shit. chapter is so heavy. <laughs> it yeah, it doesn't help that the writing is good. <laughs> yeah, um, the reason that I wanted to call attention to that little passage, um, is that. Like, it both does a, a, a phenomenal job of, like, illustrating the way that Dirk's brain operates and, like, what his priorities are and, like, what he values. Yeah. Um, but it's also, like, there's such, like, a cruel irony to it in that, like, uh, like, like oh, nothing, like, nothing matters anymore. And, like, all of these other people that I share this world with are, like, uh... A likened liken to like a dead bug, yeah, that doesn't know it's dead yet. Um, like, the, I think that like Dirk choosing to make us like a have a spectacular suicide, um, while all of while all of those characters are like, uh, we're while we're doing like the soap opera shit, and like we're going through stakes that matter matter very much, uh, to the story that we're in right now, um. I, it's very, yeah, there's, there's some, it, it's really cruel that Dirk, uh, decides to make a spectacle of killing himself. Yeah. Um, it, I don't know, that, like, that's, I don't, I don't know what to say. Like, it's, it's dressed up in, like, this egotistical way, 
um, that like it only could be with Dirk, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I it's, it's, yeah. I cannot wrap my mind around how reading this chapter must have been for people who didn't read Meat First. Good Christ. Uh, yeah, because because like the 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 chapter earlier where where like Dirk starts like he he's aware that like he's cut off from mm-hmm. f- from relevancy like there's like inklings of like something going on there but like not having the knowledge of like what Dirk's like in meat God Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, th- that's like such an interesting hypoth. Like I don't know. It, any, I am actually like really interested. In that. Like anybody listening, if you read Candy first, like please join the Discord and answer this question for us. Because I am now thinking like, if this is the first exposure you get to Dirk in the epilogues, like he's much more of a sympathetic character. Yeah. Um, and the whole description of like his own massive uh narcissistic like consciousness is devoid of context like i think that um you could certainly still get like the selfishness of what he's doing if this was your first brush with it but it's uh it would i would be very fucking confused um if if this was if I was reading Candy first and I came upon this, yeah. Imagine being whoa whoa. Let, let's make it worse. Imagine someone reading Candy first and they're like a huge Dirk enjoyer. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Christ. Yeah, I. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know what else to say about this. Um. It's it it's really good. It gives a good insight into the way that Dirk's brain is operating, the way like his thought process, and it shows you his capacity for uh scorched earth selfish theatrics. Yeah. Yeah. Um And I I and also like I guess thinking himself so above everything, uh, that he cho- would choose to kill himself rather than uh continue to exist in a world where Dave is continuing to be unconfident in sexuality. Very strange. Damn. Okay. Alright. The last chapter of the reading. The funeral. Woo, corpse party. Woo. Ep- yeah. Ep- the other the other part of epilogue three. Um, I don't even know how to describe everything that happens in here, <laughs> but I'll try. Um, so, uh, Dirk's funeral procession. Uh, it is raining, um, and uh, many of his friends and family in life have gathered to uh, to eulogize our dear departed Dirk. Um, and Gamzee is also there. So, yeah, um, Roxy uh, kicks it off, kicks off the procession, um, the proceedings, and uh, gives the stage to Dave. Um, Dave delivers a sombering, uh, in Strider fashion, um, perfectly balanced between being tactlessly self-centered and exactly topical enough. Uh, he talks about how, when he, he talks about his experience growing up, uh, and how he had another version of Dirk who was cruel and abusive, um, 
and fucked him up for life. And about how the Dirk that he knew, the real Dirk, uh, was scared to death of uh, ever becoming that kind of person. Um, and there is just this horrible, horrible iron, dramatic irony to undercutting the whole thing as as meat readers yeah. of like. Poor fucking Dave has this image of Dirk in his head who is better than what Dirk eventually ends up doing in Meat. Like, what he describes is, like, literally just essentially what Dirk does in, like, what Meat is. It's the it's the Dirk going out of control and making the entire universe his plaything show. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it's, it's fucking heartbreaking. It's tough. Uh... Poor Dave. Yeah, poor Dave. And this is followed by... My God. What's, what is there even to say about Gamzee's eulogy for Dirk? What we see of it anyway? Um, I, I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Well, there's the importance of, like, Gamzee was there at Dirk's lab, um, at his studio when, when Dave found the note, um, and Gamzee says something about, uh, how he's got deep spiritual connections to his death, um, and it just so ha- I'll, hang on, I'll do my Gamzee voice again. It just so happened that fate brought me to his doorstep on the very day that he went and motherfucking choked it off at the neck. One of the most spiritually awakening moments in my life. In such a short time, he taught me so much. This was no coincidence. There was a higher power guiding my path. These powers made sure that I would be there to receive a great warrior's final message and relay it to you on this dark and dreary day of death. Honk. Um, And then he gets out a piece of paper and we never know what's on it because he... Uh, clown handles it and destroys it. I mean, he wings it uh, a little. He wings it a little bit. He, um, he, mentioned, not... he mentioned something about a plan and how the world yeah. stole that away from him. Yeah, he describes Dirk as a man who was uh, a, a man with a plan um, that was stolen from him. Yeah. What is Gamzee here to do exactly? This continues to raise this question. Y- yeah, I... <laughs> That it's it's a great question, really, because uh, Gamzee was brought here on Calliope's terms. Yeah. Uh, but then we had like that moment where like Dirk saw Gamzee being let out of the fridge, which means that both D- Meet Dirk and Candy Dirk would be aware that Gamzee would be out of the fridge somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, but like, but like, ostensibly, like, if Dirk was, if like Dirk was really experiencing like the ultimate selfhood, like he would, uh, I he would probably already know as well. Yeah. Um, I think something like it's hand, unrelated to the Gamzy thing, but like the the like Dirk's relationship with the narration, like we have this scene early on in Candy where like he gets cut off, or like, uh, he realizes like his plans are not going to work out. Um, it, but like. I, I think that's something that it, it, it kind of makes it harder for me to uh, make a to just like to 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 analyze um, Dirk in in Candy so far is like in Meat I had just assumed that 
uh, Dirk had been exerting his influence for, like, some amount of time. Yeah. Um, and I'm not... Sh- I'm, like, leaning that that's the case in Candy, but it's, a uh, It's hard to know. Um, and, like, especially with, like, a... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I just had an idea, but I don't. I don't know if I want to say it. Now, now that I think about it, like Dirk, the, there were like implications in Meat that like Dirk had been like puppet mastering the entire thing for a, a while, like well before we s- start the epilogues. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Dirk, very I think the strongest one of that would be like the the Jake stuff. Yeah. Uh, even like even though he's cut off in Candy, he very well could have instilled the the idea of bringing Gamzee in as, like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he could have, like, instilled the idea in Calliope that if John chose to eat the candy, then he has to go get Gamzee. <laughs> We've got to bring in the backup. And it it, it, it feels like it's, like, it, it feels like Gamzee's presence is part of, like, this cosmic sick joke. <laughs> Because like yeah, like there there are like certain things about the funeral where I'm like, this doesn't sound like something the characters would have done, and it it reads more like something like Dirk would have wanted, like the whole like the heads in its own casket. He's getting buried with all the shitty swords, right? It, and like the care like like Dave's like miserable, and. Th- there's this air of like this tragic moment being painted as like this huge meme. It 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 it, it has Dirk's fingerprints all over it. But mm-hmm. but Gamzee's here. Gamzee's like making it worse. Yeah. 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 I I don't know. All I can fucking think of is um the is the the point of like uh Gamzee and Dirk are like some part and parcel of Lord English and like Gamzee like that's like the main connection that yeah. Dirk has to Gamzee. Yeah. Um unless something is unless I'm forgetting something. Um Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard not to it's hard not to 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 try to connect this to um like larger uh meat like plot yeah. uh instances. Um. Yeah, Gamzee. Deli- so yeah, Gamzee delivers an absolutely horrific uh, eulogy that is cut short by Roxy. Um, I'm trying to move the the procession along. Uh, John. Uh, it, it, just as Jake is about to take the stage, John gets Alex to get the fuck out of there. Um, he goes into the yard. Um unwittingly interrupts uh what could have been the beginning of uh Dave Cat uh out of the closet edition. Um but uh because Candy is all about John never getting anything right, uh he's he just kind of ruins the moment. Um and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so yeah, um Jade uh calls uh Carcat back in, uh splitting up this kind of awkward uh conversation. Um John oh you got that uh John uh offers 
to Dave uh, to go back and save Dirk with his retcon powers. Um, Man. Again, in the thread of, like, John trying to help Dave, but, like, he just is incapable of helping him on whatever level he needs right now. Um, horrible, horrible cringe. Uh, very painful. Um, feels fucking bad. And also, uh, raises a, a legitimate, like, ethical question of, like, it, would that be the right thing to do? Um, Dave is, D- Dave doesn't think so. Um, he says, uh, whatever, like, he says that he ha- obviously had reasons for doing what he did, which is, I don't, this is, that's such a weird fucking thing to say about, like, your estranged, like, brother who just killed himself. Yeah. Man. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing what you're saying about, like, people acting ever so slightly out of character. Um... But even like, it's 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 still hard to say whether it's out of character or not because it's such a difficult thing to consider. I don't know. I don't. I don't think I have like a, a read on this besides saying that this is some crazy shit, man. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Jade uh breaks up the awkwardness of this conversation, or doesn't really break it up, but uh interrupts it by uh pulling Carcat uh aside again. Um. Further, another another uh, on the ledger of uh, maybe Jade has something going on with Carcat or for Carcat specifically, um, and uh, just just to cap this whole thing off, um, just as John is left alone in the churchyard, uh, trying to to muster up the power to do do his retcon thing again, uh, he is surprised by Roxy who. Out of fucking nowhere, in the middle of, like, her best friend's funeral, uh, proposes to him. Damn, that's crazy. Uh, and, uh, John is like, uh, uh, yeah, uh, this is, this is what, this is what you're supposed to do if you love somebody and they love you back. So why not? Yeah. Um, let's do it. And uh, we we leave off on yet another ominous. We're gonna be so happy. Um, you're, you're damn right we are. It's gonna be crazy. <laughs> oh my, this shit's fucking crazy, dude. Uh, candy's fucking nuts so far. But- um, <laughs> this is insane. so far. <laughs> The way it, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it has, it has. I don't, I don't know where the fuck you can go besides crazier, because we got a lot of shit to resolve. Now we, John just said yes, let's get married. Uh, we're fucked. Um, oh my god, so many, <sighs> so many gears are turning. We got a baby Vriska. We, yeah, we, we. Dirk's dead. We got a we got a John Roxy wedding coming up. Yeah, there's so much a shit. F- funeral right into a wedding. Um, what a, what a time we're experiencing here. Um, yeah. Uh, the whole funeral thing is like a. It's not only like a soap opera. It's just all fucking wrong. Yeah. 
uh, you're not, well, it's like, I, I don't know what else to say about Roxy being like, yo, I know that Dirk's body is in there with his head, with all his anime swords, and his head is in a different casket to remind us of the incredibly morbid and uh, spectacular public way he killed himself. But, uh, you want to get married? Like, what the fuck is happening? This is great. I love it. Um, yeah, uh, I think that th this is also, again, ties with the, the, the candy thing I was, my, my thesis of, like, John, he's rushing, it, it's like, um, it feels good, he's been told that this is what he's supposed to, like, feel good in society, in society, um, so he's just rushing ahead along with it, like, let's shovel more candy in my mouth, let's, let's, let's do a normal wedding, like, let's, let's just do this. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's clear to me that it's getting, that it's getting to something, um, I am the, I think that the, I'm glad that we read Meat first, but also, like, tying it all back to Meat has, is just leaving me, like, spinning. Um, yeah. <laughs> good Christ. I, I'm gonna cede the floor to you. Any, 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 any thoughts so far? Uh, any, anything you want to raise? Um, I, 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 I would... First of all, I would like to say I'm very excited for for our next reading because you you thinking it's crazy so far, you have no idea. It is deranged. It is deranged so far. Um, I want you to point the part <laughs> of it out to me so far that it's not crazy. Uh, I hate to tell you this, but what we have read is the most normal part of candy. <laughs> good, good. Uh, but one thing I would like to raise as as, as we are on the the cusp of quote-unquote, getting into it. Um, I, I would like to bring us back to what Rose had to say uh, back in Meat when, when she got a glimpse of Candy. Uh, she said, It's as if our extra canon reality, our surroundings, our actions, and their consequences. They've all lost the ability to blend the ingredients responsibly. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> As if responsibly, the, as if the moment we entered the victory state, everything began to slowly congeal. And when John made his decision, it accelerated the process. The congealing intensified, causing a sort of grotesque conceptual clumping, concentrating the constituent properties of consumption into unbearable doses, like when you get to the bottom of a sweet drink and all that's left is syrup. I it I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that, um, this is, uh, you know, I was expecting the, uh, the dichotomy between candy and meat, I think, to be a lot closer to the lines of what we saw with the lank route in the end of, uh, yeah, friend sim. Yeah. Um, and it's not, it's, it's definitely not that because it, it, it's just, it's just not the same thing. It's like, it's not doing the same thing. Um, but I, having read Meat, um, I find it very interesting how, like, a lot of what we're raising now in Candy are plot lines that were addressed in Meat. Like, we have, um, Roxy, uh, have, like, Roxy experiencing some discomfort about her gender. Um, we have, like, the fucking John and Terezi thing going on. We have, uh, I guess, well, 
Dirk kind of happened. Um, the, uh, the Jade and Dave and Carcat thing. Um, like, all of those were... All of those, like, arcs in Meat had, like, a quote-unquote resolution, or, like, they had, like, a thing that happened that, like, you could say moved the characters along. Like, yeah. Roxy came out started pretending as male, like, uh, Dave and Carcat, uh, like, Dave, like, rejected Dirk's influence is like, fine, let me just let me just be with Carcat as his boyfriend, like, on my own, like, normally. Like, these things are resolved in meat, like, as a, like, a byproduct of, like, the plot happening around them. Yeah. And it was, like, all, but it was, like, at the cost of, like, Rose. Yeah. Basically. Um, and, like, the, the, the what I, what I expected from, like, the, the Lank route, um, or, uh, from, like, the way that, uh, it was, and, like, the way that's described in the epilogues is, like, or, or not, this is the way it's described in the epilogues. Like, I kind of expected with a dichotomy to be, like, meat would have more action, but not touch on those things as much. Yeah. But now that I'm reading Candy, um, it's really interesting how meat did resolve all of those things while the plot was happening. Yeah. Um, and Candy now has no plot that's happening, and we're following all these subplots, like, in parallel, and they're all just kind of not advancing in the meaningful way they need to. Um, like, with, uh, you know, John is just like, oh, if I just suck it up and I pretend that this is, like, what love is supposed to be like, then I'll have a happy relationship with Roxy. And, like, Dave... Well, Dave is, like, trying, but uh, he is... What, we, what we've heard from him himself is, like, he's leaning towards trying to make things work with Jade, which is, like, not the way to resolve whatever has to resolve there. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I think that, um... It's 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 not what I expected, for sure. Uh, and I'm very intrigued to see, like, how it all fucking collapses. Um, yeah. That's... That's all I got to say about uh, our first candy reading. I think I think I got it all out on the table. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, I will take this opportunity to ask, what are we reading next week? Next week, we are going to read Candy Epilogues 4 through 6. We're just speeding through this thing. Yeah. All right. Okay, well, uh, with that out of the way, um, shall we wrap this one up? We're like over two hours. I think it's about time. Yeah, yeah, we can wrap it up. I gotta go eat dinner. (laughs) I'm hungry too. All right, well, in that case, uh, you've been listening to A Homestuck Podcast. I am Aiden. And I'm John. Um, John, would you like to first off thank our patrons? I would love to. Shout outs. To the big ten, we 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 we're at ten, everybody. Woo! Oh my god! We, d- d- double digits. Uh, Mel, Tezrak, Amber M, Danny, Caffeine, Gareth F, Simon Martins, Corin, Ina E, and Darsh. Thank you for money. Thank you guys all so much for money. Um. A reminder is always that if you would like to join those illustrious names, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash ahpcast and uh, you can give us some of your money. Um, perks include uh, 
being able to listen to uh, the episode a little bit early. We release patient episodes. We release episodes on the Patreon on Saturdays, usually, uh, if we haven't had some kind of major crisis that led us to record the day that they came out. Um, we can You can uh, get John to read your name. I can read your name, too, if you would like, uh, but John will do it if not specified. Um, and if you give us, uh, like something like $65,000, we'll even put your fan troll in the podcast. So lots to look out for, for fans of AHP. Um, if you're not, uh, if you're not that spectacularly wealthy, uh, you can always, um, just stay in the free reader class because as I always say, our second shout out always goes out to, uh, all of our listeners in general. Uh, we love you guys, uh, whether you give us money or not, um, having like a fan base is uh it, it it sounds just as weird to me now as it as it did when we first started this thing um but truly thank you so much it means so much that you guys are all on this journey with us uh it's a lot of fun and uh we love you guys so shout out um and as always our third shout out goes to alex our artist and editor uh alex makes everything we do here possible uh he is the greatest um and we love him so shout out to alex and uh with that all out of the way uh we will see you again uh next week um as we continue to read um the candy epilogue uh with epilogues four through six uh we're just burning through this thing so yeah we'll uh see you next time see ya. Whoop.